Blog Talk Radio. Well, hi, folks. Uh, this is Gene here on a Friday afternoon. I normally do this with my daughter, but uh, she had another ministry today, so you have only myself. And uh, we're going to talk about the God and the omnipotence, His omnipresence, everything about God. Well, who is God? Well, I'll get into that later. I want to talk to you today about Ruth. Ruth was a Moabite. What the words of Moabite got to do with God? But remember that Moabites was an accursed people. They were came from Lot, who had an ancestral relationship with his daughters, and out of one of his daughters came a clan called Moabite. And God had forbidden the Israelites to mess with the Moabites. In fact, he God forbid Israel to mess with anybody that were not believers. That's how God is. So let's begin with God. Let's begin with Ruth. In the days of Judges' rule, there was a famous famine in the land. So a man named from Bethlehem in Judea, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in Moab. The name of the man was Abimelech, his wife Naomi, and their two sons, Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrodites from Bethlehem, Judea, and they went to Moab to live for a while. What the world is Bethlehem? Do you have any idea what Bethlehem means? Even the smallest details in the scriptures, Bethlehem means house of food and the house of bread. And the place where Messiah was prophesied had come from Micah 5 2. When the Israelites were wandering in the desert, God gave them manna from heaven, and he provided for them his people, foreshadowing the ultimate final provision that would have Jesus Christ call himself the bread of life, bread of life. Jesus himself called himself the bread of life. Through the story of Ruth, God preserves and protects the lineage of David, thus protecting the lineage of Jesus. The symbolism of food found in the story of Ruth is reminding that even the smallest details matters in the story of God. Now, Emelak, Neon's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women. And the one was named Alpha, and the other was named Ruth. And they had lived there for 10 years. Both Milan and the Kulian died. And Neely was left with her two daughter-in-laws and, two, and her husband there, and was left with her two daughter-in-laws. When Nomi heard that in Moab, that the Lord had come to the aid of the people by providing food for them, her daughter-in-laws prepared to return home from there. With her two daughter-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set on the road that would take her back to Judea. Well, you know, then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord show you kindness. And you've shown the kindness to your dead husbands and me. May the Lord grant you, each of you, you will find rest in the home of your another, of another husband. Tell me goodbye. 
But Naomi said, Return home, my daughter. Why would you come with me? Because they took on. I said, we'll come back with you. She said, why do you want to come back with me? I gave birth to, I gave birth to my son, but I'm not giving birth again. I'm too old. And even I'm not old enough, do you recall that you'd have to wait for me to have two boys? They would have to raise, and would you wait for them to be married to them? You know, it was a Jewish custom at that time that relatives had to take care of relatives. Men had to take care of the women. It was a time of it was a time of where God provided for the provisions of the family. Look, say Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her God. Well, that's evangelism, right? Back, go back to your God, she said. What are you doing today? Do you do you have enough nerve to tell people to serve a living God? Do you realize who God is? Do you know how magnificent God God is? I get up every morning. And the first thing I say, God, what do you have me do today? You know, God will tell you in a still, quiet, small voice, God will tell you what to do. Do you ask God for certain instructions today? Or do you even believe in God? Who is God? God had a son called Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And they came into this world. They live in this world. Christ died in this world. And was resurrected in this world. Do you believe in Christ? Do you believe in God? Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? You know, you have to believe. You have to ask. You know, if you ask for Christ to come into your life, it comes. I talked to someone the other day, and they were in all kinds of problems. I mean, the instructions, and they were in the world pretext of being in trouble. And I said to them, all you have to do is believe in Christ. Accept Christ. And believe in him. You know what? Comes into your heart, which is your mind. The Holy Spirit lives in you. You you have a friend for life. You will never accept this friend. This friend is he guides you, he instructs you. You live with him. He is your protector. You know when you pray, who do you pray with? The Holy Spirit prays with you. And y'all enter into the throne room. And they're the magnificent God, the creator of everything. What did I say? The creator of everything. That's God. And the Holy Spirit says to God, God, here's the boy that's got troubles. And here's his prayer. You know, God answered prayer. When does he answer? Does he answer on time, every time, all the time? Yes, he does. All the time. At his discretion. God will answer your prayers. God will give you relief. Relief that this this undescribed, indescribed, whatever you want to say, however the conditions may be, God answers prayer and he gives you relief. Your relief from your troubles. Well, let's go on with it. Don't urge me to leave or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. 
Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Do you have enough nerve to say that to people? You know, I had a professor that uh, he, he's from Wales, tiny guy, and he had a testimony, Dr. Thomas. The doctor would come out and put his Bible down in the middle of the street in Wales and put his hat over it. And he would dance around his hat saying, it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. And what in the world a doctor be doing dancing in the street saying it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. You know, Dr. Dr. Thomas didn't have a church, but he had God. And the people would gather around and say, what's wrong with this man? Is he crazy? He's a man with education, could do anything he wanted to do. Now here he was in the middle of the street with his Bible and a hat dancing around his head. And enough people gathered around, he swooped down and he swept up his hat in his hand and there lay his Bible and he kept his Bible. And for the next hours he preached the gospel. He preached God. Do you have enough nerve to do that? Do I have enough nerve? Do you have enough nerve to say, it's alive, it's alive. You know, God is alive. He will never die. He performed miracles. He he asked the world, he asked this earth to come into focus. From nothing, he created the earth. He created the sun, the stars. He created everything. He does it with nothing in, in his hand because nothing is created when God says create, and it creates. Well, let's go on with Ruth. Naomi, she, she told her, call me Myra because I am brought back empty. Why call me Naomi? And the Lord has affected me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Call me bitter. She went away full with her husband and two sons. The two sons married a Moabite women. Her husband had died. The sons died. She was left alone. Only Ruth was with her. And she said, don't call me anything but bitter because God has left me. Carry on with Ruth. Ruth remained at her mother's side. This was important since her assertion that Naomi's God be her God. Watch. Naomi's God, the God that she said, go back to your God not evangelism. That's almost atheism. Will you have enough nerve to say to people, turn back to your, to, to my God or go your God? Naomi said this to Ruth. And Ruth had an opportunity to choose between making a new life with God or returning to her old ways and the hours for her people. She decided to remain fervently and stubbornly by her mother-in-law to serve God and to truth to the faith that she had come to know. God chose someone, a woman, I don't know less, outside Jewish faith, not only to follow God of Israel, but to become part of his lineage of the Messiah. This was a shadow of the reality that would be a redemption for the, of the internal world, first for the Jew and for the Gentile. 
found in Romans 1.16. Jesus would not only be the savior of the human of the human being, but thanks to outsiders, to family lines such as Ruth, when he comes, when he came to to earth, he made it abundantly clear that the salvation was offered for the whole world. That's including you. You know, the, the Bible is explicitly clear that the Jews are his favorite people, or his home people, his, his family. But not only the Jews, when Christ came, not only the Jews, but also the Gentiles. Christ died for the entire world, past, present, and future. We live in the future. Christ died for us. Do you realize that? Here is a holy man of God, the Son of God. He laid out his life for us. Is that not real? Is that not un- understanding how real God is? You know, I've read books, I've seen movies about the torture of Christ. And I've come to realize that he was beaten, he was bruised, crown of thorns were afflicted on his head, spears thrust in his side. And he was in terrible pain. Spikes were driven into his legs, into his feet. And he was bound by the cords and nailed to the cross. That's painful, right? All this is painful. Come to believe this. I believe this on my heart. Here was the Son of God, nailed, beaten, flogged, spit on, crowned with thorns. But here's his great pain. He looked at the sky, and he said these uh, words that disturbed me greatly. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At that moment, Christ was all human. He looked up, and he saw God turn his back, and he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, I have... I have death close to me, all around me. My wife died. My second wife died. People have died in my arms. Young men have committed suicide, and I've held them in my arms, and they died. My brother died, saving the saving for this country. My other brother died. But we have death all around us. My father had lost. My father lost his wife, which is my mother, and four children in a period of five years. So I know death, but I know this. My God, my Father never deserted me, and God didn't deserve Christ, deserve, didn't desert Christ. God had turned his back because God cannot look at sin. And there was a son hanging on the cross with great pain and agony. But the greatest suffering was when he looked up and he saw God, and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Back to Ruth. Was brought into the family of God through her Jewish family, and her faith followed oh, Jesus. Followed her Jesus brought her family, brought into the family of God through faith in Christ, fellow citizens of the people, and members of the whole household built on the foundation of apostles and prophets. Christ Himself 
as a chief cornerstone. The chief cornerstone of Christianity is Christ. Do you believe in Christ? Is Christ your Savior? How do you find Christ? The Holy Spirit nudges you? Is he nudging you now? Christ is your Savior. One day, I'm not going to do it today, but one day we'll be raptured out of here. And we'll be in front of Christ, and we're in front of God, and we'll be judged to according to our words and what we've done. Not sin, but works. And we'll look at Christ, and we'll look at God, and we'll see everything there is. And God, you live with God forever. Forever, forever, and forever. How long is forever? There's no ending. But you live in perfect bliss. Streets of gold, gigs of pearl, and our God, and my Christ, and the Holy Spirit will minister to us. There'll be no sin. We'll be forever happy. That's what Ruth knew was going to happen to her. Well, anyway, as we continue on the Ruth, they come into the land of back to a, a Bethlehem. And Ruth was with her. She went out to earn some money, to earn some food, and she happened to be in the field of Boaz. Who is Boaz? It was going to be her husband, but she didn't know. She back, went back and told her Naomi. And Naomi said, wow, you gleaned in the field? You know, we at that time would follow uh, the reapers of the field. And they'd take, they, the reapers would drop bits of grain on the ground and they would pick it up and store it. And that's how poor people earn their living and earn their food. Boaz came back from town and he said, oh, who is that lady out there? And they said, that's uh, Ruth. Oh, Ruth. Who is Ruth? She's a Moabite that Naomi came back with. That's Naomi's mother-in-law. Boaz said, man, wow, she's nice looking. So he called her over and he said, uh, who are you? And she told him. He said, come and sit down with me. And the scripture says, may I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord. You have may put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have standings of one of your servants. In the meantime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread, and dip it in the white vinegar. So Ruth leaned in the field and eating. She threshed the barley as she gathered and amounted to an effort, which is about 30 pounds. Where did you work, Naomi said. And Naomi said, well, you know, I, I, I don't know you. I, I really don't know my law, but, but the one I placed, she had been working. The name of the man was, I worked with was Boaz. Naomi said, oh, wow. He's one of our guardian redeemers. Who's your guardian redeemer? I'm specifically asking you, who is your guardian redeemer? Mine is Christ. Christ, your God and Redeemer. Listen, Christ came into this world. He died in this world. 
And I say over and over again, do you have enough nerve to believe that? Do you have enough intellect to believe that? Do you have enough courage to witness for him? That is my, one of my professors in seminary. He said to me, Gene, can you do what I do? Well, Dr. Thomas, what are you talking about? So when I was a young man, I was trying to find a place to minister. So I ministered with my hat and Bible, and I always gave the crown. Do you have enough of the courage to go out and minister for him? You know, in one way, I'm not ministering like that. I don't have enough courage, probably enough intellect. But, you know, I live in a in an area. I had gave up evangelism, pastoring churches. I live in this area that's a Jewish community. They're great friends of mine. There are six families, about 40 people. And I live here, and I witness them. Every day I witness them. Is it hard for me? Yep, it's really hard because they ask me some questions that I can't answer until I pray and I ask God to give me the answer. And they put me to the test. They watch every move I make. But they're not mean now. They're, they're great people. They have a, a whole housing development here. They live almost as one. And they require certain things, not for me, but themselves. They work hard. They're respecting the community. And they allow me. They ask me to come up. They come up here. And I was in a position to where I could do it. God said, go to them. So I came up and live with them. They provide a house. And I live here with them, and I witnessed them. Another day after witnessing someone, one came to me, and he said, Gene, I believe. Gosh, me and the world that knew them was happy. My daughter was ecstatic. She's in Miami, but I live in, we're in Tennessee. And he said, I believe in him. You believe in Christ? That what I have said? I believe in Christ. I don't understand it all. But I can't understand him. We have to pray for him. Every day I pray for him. Every day I pray for the Jews. But they ask me hard questions. The other day, one of them came to me and said, Listen, Gene, we have a group of rabbis. We're going to bring them over and you sit down with them and answer their questions. And he'll ask you questions. Now, that was a chore. And I prayed to God and said, God, help me. And for almost eight hours, I sit and they had about there were six rabbis. They asked me questions. I asked them questions. We talked and we talked and we talked them down. I love them. When they finished with me, they said, "Well, you know, you got your way of thinking. We have our way of thinking. We have to think what you said. We have thoughts that you said. With the scriptures that you had with for them, they understood, but did not believe." Because the Jews cannot believe in Christ. They can, but they refuse. Apostle Paul had that problem with them. Peter had that problem with them. The Jews just refuse to believe that Christ has come. Me and the Bible, with God, tried my best to convince him. Will they turn around? I don't know. Will you pray for them? Yes, you will. But anyway. There was Ruth Boaz. 
every day she gleaned in, in his field. So one day Ruth said to I mean, Naomi said to her mother, to Ruth, said, put on clean clothes tonight, your best smell of perfume, and go to the thrashing floor where Boaz is working. And these things will happen to you. Under And wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. And go down to the thrashing floor. Don't let him see you. But when he's lying down, go uncover his feet, and he will tell you what to do. In the Hebrew custom at that time, there was a way that women presented themselves. One of the ways, not not a prostitute now, but this is a sexual act. I'm not going into it right now. There's four, four views on this act. But basically, it was a sexual act that here I am, take me. So Boaz was disturbed, and he woke up, and he said, who in the world are you? He said, I'm Ruth, Naomi's bond servant. And he said, oh, honey, you, you've shown so much kindness. You're beauty and everything. But I'm not your closest redeemer. There's one in front of me. You recall the story on TV a couple of years ago. Oh, a couple of longer than that, yeah. Where a sandal was thrown at Bush, President Bush. Well, the Redeemer that Boaz is talking about was the closest Redeemer. He was the second in line. Told Ruth, he said, I will do my best to see if the guy will take you. If not take you, I will take you. So Ruth went back to Naomi, and Naomi said, Wait here. We'll see what happens. So Boaz went to the gate, all ten witnesses. He said, there's a man that you're the closest redeemer. And he has this, he has his, he has his land, and everything. Naomi has the land. And they want you to buy it and be the redeemer of, of Naomi's line. And God said, okay, I'll buy it. And, the guy, and Boaz said, now, wait a minute. Remember this. When you do, you must take Ruth, which is a Moabite, and take him, take her into your line. And they said, wait, I'm not going to do that. I can't do it. Because when I do that, I will sacrifice my own line, and I can't afford it. And Boaz said, okay, then I'll redeem her. And Naomi and Boaz redeemed her, and they used a sandal as an exchange of courtesy. And Moaz became Naomi's, I mean, Ruth's husband. And from that husband was born a child. child's name was the child's name was Perez. And from that, Jesus Christ's lineage was of the Moab and it's a lineage of David. Here's a lineage. Perez was the father of Haran, and Haran the father of Arain, and Ram the father of Abedinadad, and Abedinadad the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Solomon, and Solomon was the father of Boaz, and Boaz was the father of Obed. 
remember that old Boaz fathered Obed, and Obed fathered Jesse, and he was Jesse, the father of David, the beloved son of God. Folks, that's how God works. Everything works out for the best if you listen to God. Are you listening to God today? Do you have enough nerve to witness for God? Do you have enough nerve to accept God? He's your blessed Redeemer, and He will, and He will do everything possible to live your life in lieu of Christ. I ask you today: accept Christ, believe in Christ, work for Christ. First of all, I got today, and I'll see you next week, same time. And I listen and be very careful. I love you. I love God more than anything in the world, forever and ever. Go with us. That'll be all today. Thank you very much.